welcome to another episode of Laying the Foundation. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to Laying the Foundations. I'm here with Brian, of course, and then Angela is here with us as well. Hello. Angela is going to be talking to us a little bit about like the healthcare world and kind of some of the key elements towards um, healthcare and design within the healthcare um, as far as architecture goes. So um, I'm going to let you just kind of jump right into it, Angela. I mean, not to put you on the spot or anything, but... Uh, I know you're the the expert here and just kind of some of the key components to great architecture spaces uh, within the world of healthcare. Wonderful. Thank you, Skylar. Yeah. Brian, feel free to jump in when when you feel like there's something, some burning desire you have. But I think when we when we talk about designing healthcare spaces and and wanting to make spaces that are patient forward, so creating spaces that have the patient in mind. I think whatever elements that we can do to bring down that anxiety level and help them feel at home at a time that can be really stressful is the right choice. For me, it's always the right choice to give patients the opportunity to feel more at home in their space. Oftentimes that is um, providing spaces for a family member to be with them, Mm. if at all possible. That went away a little bit during COVID time, but anything we can do to encourage that social support from their family members is going to be a great option for them, especially when emotions are high. They may not be listening to all the instructions that they need and to have that support system later on when they leave the hospital is going to be key. Other things that we can do are bring the natural environment in, great large windows, natural lighting. Um, this is a great design element inside and outside of healthcare, but anything to bring in natural colors and lighting into their space is going to really help just make that a calming environment for them and, and bring that stress level down. You know, as, as design changes and as our, as our technology changes around us, technology has a place in healthcare. I am not a super gadgety person, <laughs> but uh, rooms that have customizable features are becoming popular in healthcare. It can be a simple display board where you can put the patient's name, put their nurse's name, put um, you know why they might be visiting the hospital for that that particular reason. Something to customize the space. Uh, some of our rooms are offering the ability to change lighting or play music, um, connect with a tablet, oh, okay. change you know change their TV stations. Those technology items that we're seeing in smart homes have a place in our patient rooms as well. Uh, the ability to customize those rooms for wow. their stay. Okay, very cool. Yeah, being able to like really individualize a person's absolutely because, like you said, it's it's a stressful time. It's a stressful environment. I mean, you're hearing you know beepings and who knows what people running back and forth outside of your room. Like to be able to have something that feels safe and secure and reassuring yeah. is so key and being able to personalize that would definitely come into play with that. That yeah. makes sense. And you, you brought up a couple of really great points in your comment to Skylar about the privacy aspect, you mm. know, making sure that the sounds that we're hearing within our room and the conversations that we're having within 
our space can't be heard outside of the space. So keeping our noises inside of our room and keeping the outside environment mm. outside where it belongs. Yeah, that makes a lot of That sense. really adds to that feeling of, of safety and security and privacy that we want our patient to experience in our spaces. Uh, I was just going to jump in a second. Uh, you were talking about technology and, and how it can enhance the patient experience, mm -hmm. but it also can enhance the staff experience as oh. well. Absolutely. Um, from a patient tracking, you know, that we can make sure that uh, the staff is aware of where that patient is possibly in a procedure um, uh, step by step, you know, if they're in uh, in the OR first, but then also into recovery and then into their pre post op room, possibly it's, it's a mechanism that allows visibility on that process. And I guess that can also translate to the patients and to their, um, to their family members sitting in the waiting room that are wondering, is mom out of surgery yet mm. or not? What's going on? You know, it kind of helps, again, bring that calmness to the situation if they understand where their loved one is in that process. Absolutely. And oftentimes when the CMBA team is designing for healthcare, we talk about our patients, we talk about our providers or our staff, and we talk about our visitors and our family members. Mm. And Brian touched on, you know, all of those user groups with that design element. And that is something that we want to be aware of when we're designing our spaces is how, how those three groups of people are going to be interacting, especially during a time when staffing is really critical. Our nurses are mm. you know, asked to do lots of tasks with fewer people and those technology aspects can help them track the patient without, you know, taking as many steps. Definitely. It, it truly, truly in some of the planning that we that we do comes down to how how can we minimize the number of trips or the number of steps right. that they take to go visit someone absolutely and then you also mentioned um like family and visiting people you know visiting the area what about things that we're kind of putting together within the designs that relate to uh maybe their accessibility or something along those lines perhaps um, so accessibility in terms of mobility issues is something mm -hmm. that we always want to keep in mind within our facilities. Um, you know, nice, nice wide spaces for, for our wheelchairs to turn around. Healthcare, the amount of maneuvering space is always a really critical mm. conversation, especially as we have our different, our different beds moving through the spaces and we're, we're pushing patients in, in different spaces. So that's definitely something that we want to be aware of as well as having different seating options, oh. um, offering, you know, high tables or low tables or the ability to move chairs around and customize a visiting space is really important too. Absolutely. Um, you had mentioned, uh, like the smart rooms before and kind of the area within like, you know, integrating smart devices into the technology within the room. Um, I could definitely see how that would be really convenient for, you know, like you said, lack of mobility, somebody that's kind of, um, you know, sort of stuck within the hospital bed or whatever the case or a wheelchair, you know, not having as much access to go turn something on or turn something off. So I could definitely see how that would like really be a key aspect to all of the, uh, the space in general and all the, the assets within the space potentially that it run on electricity, of course. Right. And really just offering um, useful distractions. Oh, sure. Anything that we can do to help take people's mind off, um, you know, the, the reason that they may be there, anything that they can distract them, be it music or or the ability to customize the lighting or change what's going on on the TV or stream something if it's a tablet. Yeah. Something that can make that patient experience all the more pleasant is, is going to be helpful. Absolutely. Yeah, and that display typically has been a whiteboard. 
right? And on that whiteboard, you'll see like a scale of pain, basically. So they've mm -hmm. got the faces of different levels of pain, and and the nurse will come in and ask the patient because um, I've sat in those rooms with my parents fairly recently, and, mm -hmm. and they ask, right? What how are you feeling today? Is there any pain? And they'll note that on there. Well, that can also I mean it's a static display, right? If right. It's a whiteboard. Well, that information is also being put into the computer. So why can't they talk to one another? Why can't, couldn't that be displayed electronically, not only in the patient record, but physically within the room, basically also back at the nurse station so that people can instantly know how that patient is doing without going step by step by step, in essence, because there's some technology that can increase access to that information for the caregivers. Mm -hmm. And allow you to track that and see how how they're progressing during their stay or the different metrics that you're using improving their stay or improving their condition um, i think that's really critical the, um, the shift changes that happen within a healthcare facility uh, the nurses change mm -hmm. every eight hours eight to ten hours and what's the name yeah you know, did they write their name on the board or not sometimes they forget to do that you know right. they're busy with other things totally understand but if a uh, family member comes in and they, they see a nurse come in and, and they're not sure what to call them, well, if I can see their name, it's pretty easy. <laughs> and it's updated as soon as they come on shift um, from a technology that helps. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like a really simple thing, but there's nothing more welcoming than having someone call you by name or having someone recognize you in that way. And it's just one small thing that the design of the space can do to improve that situation. Uh, one of the things that I'm, I have the notes that you gave me before um, that I saw that on here that kind of caught my eye was the intuitive wayfinding. Mm. And as somebody that, you know, within marketing and design, you know, that was something that we kind of discussed within the classes that I've taken in the past and, and looked at, you know, into my career of like being able to create signage that accurately and such like leads somebody through a space that might be a bit complicated. And I would argue that hospitals are one of the most like complicated spaces to try to navigate in. You know, you've got multiple floors with different service areas in each floor that all offer different things. You know, you're the person you might be looking for or the the facility that you might be looking for. I mean, it can be hard to find because it's such a big space. So what are we like doing as far as, um, like you mentioned, the intuitive wayfinding to like really help like minimize those kind of things? Well, I think there needs to be a balance between offering no signage and too mm -hmm. much signage. And a lot of times it's simple visual cues, like mm. certain colors yeah. are going to indicate certain departments. Um, you know, I think when there's there's too many posters or, or too many signs, it just becomes noise and then you don't know what to pay attention to. Definitely. A lot of the facilities we work with have multiple additions or changes. And so helping to give those visual cues of of what may have changed since someone was at the facility. For some, it's a flooring or, um, you know, coloring on the wall or, or different hmm. different textures that are going on with the wall that might indicate this is a continuation of your path and this is where you want to go. Um, it can be very simple design decisions that help lead people through a space. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Using not just like, like the traditional, here's a square sign. And it's telling you pointing in this direction or this direction, like, like you said, use the floor, or use the walls that are around or like continuations of color designs or textures, as opposed to something that's just really like, go this way or go this way. Cause especially with like language barrier, absolutely, that one's like a really big one. As far as that goes, like you want something that anyone can look at and 
ideally understand like where it is that they're supposed to go to versus putting everything in English and then only English speaking people are knowing where to go throughout your hospital facility. So yeah. and awesome. some of the facilities we work with will have you know, registration desks are kind of checkpoints mm -hmm. along the way of people to guide them. But for some, they don't have the space or that maybe isn't the right, right. choice for them. And so we want to offer them some options that are somewhat more intuitive. Absolutely. I mean, as somebody that was in one recently to go get pictures of a space, I kind of got a little bit lost because I had to go through a different exit that didn't have a front desk, you know, immediately accessible so someone could tell me where to go. So totally relate to that <laughs> and this is a basic way of doing it but they'll put a pattern in the carpet yep. that leads you to a department let's say it's blue for imaging and there's a sign at the entryway and follow the blue line to get mm -hmm. you to the imaging department for your x-ray your ct or labs a different color and and it's a real basic way of doing it it's probably not our preferred way of doing it but that is one way in which facilities have introduced the color um, to get you to follow basically because most people and I would probably challenge all of us now that I'm going to say this, look at our feet mm -hmm. when we walk, right? We right. look downward. We don't typically look up. We don't really notice the signs that are hanging from the ceiling above us. Mm -hmm. We don't even notice the ceilings for the most part, unless you're in this grand space, sometimes you'll look up. But for, for the most part, you're looking ahead or you're looking down. So right. how do we create signage wayfinding that helps stay within your vision, your cone of vision, um, without potentially causing issues for those that can't look up. Maybe there's a back issue, maybe sure. they're an elderly, maybe there's a lot of different factors. But if we can keep it within a, a certain margin of, of distance, height, um, vertically, most people are going to see that. Absolutely. So we have to think Absolutely. about those things too. And our signage also needs to be thoughtful on the exterior of our building as well. Yeah. Um, you know, as you mentioned, buildings with multiple entrances, buildings that you know, or maybe could benefit from more lighting or improved lighting on their signage, especially our emergency departments. Um, you're trying to find them during a very stressful time. Right. And is that intuitive to find that location? Um, so signage is incredibly important when we talk about maneuvering ourselves inside and outside of a building. Absolutely. So one of the things that you've you've mentioned on the, the notes that I have too is, is the patient journey. And kind of all the aspects that kind of stem down from that, which obviously there's a lot. I mean, a whole hospital facility has a lot of different areas and each patient is going to be different. But what are sort of those different aspects that we're looking to sort of target within the, the patient's journey that we haven't maybe already talked about necessarily that we want to really focus on when we're designing spaces or we're adjusting the design for spaces? So... I think a lot of times, at least when we begin a project, it's really critical to think about the different nodes or the different checkpoints in the building that mm -hmm. the patient may be asked to go and sort of model or, or mock through the walk of a patient. And so thinking, okay, we're going to start at the emergency department. They're going to start at this desk. They may be asked to go to lab and kind of map out some some journeys that a patient may have while using the building and understand where where they might falter along the way or where they might have benefited from some of those wayfinding things. How how is that patient going to be attended to? Will they be by themselves? Will mm. they have a staff person? Um, oftentimes we talk about back of house areas where it's staff only or areas where the patient is always going to be attended to mm -hmm. with a staff person. 
versus areas where you're going to ask them to be circulating by themselves. And so understanding where those zones live and how best to move them from one place to the other efficiently, safely, without causing too much confusion, and also being sensitive to their privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, knowing that their neighbor next door, they may not want them to know why they're at the hospital for a specific reason. And so mm-hmm. being being conscious of areas where there may be doors that are are opaque or or doors where you you know can close off an access area to provide that privacy. Okay. Gotcha. Attention architecture professionals, are you looking for an employment opportunity that will provide you with a wonderful work culture and a competitive pay rate? Look no further than CMBA Architects. Our firm offers flexible scheduling, a casual dress code, and a great work environment that will help you collaborate and create. Plus, who doesn't love having Fridays off? To learn more about our available positions, visit the careers page at cmbaarchitects.com and apply to join the CMBA team. And then um, another another point that you made on here was, uh, so you have like the vehicle and pedestrian traffic. So being able to, and I know I actually heard kind of an interesting point to this earlier today, we had a meeting um, and Brian, you were, I think you were there uh, for the Goodwill Industries uh, project. And they talked about canopy for just the simple purpose of, let's say it's raining. And, you know, we need to get one of these these people like might be in a wheelchair and sometimes like the vehicles that have the, the wheelchair installations take a while to, you know, get a person out out of the car. And so if it's raining, for instance, you know, you're getting a ton of rain coming down on this person while they're trying to exit the vehicle and having this canopy over top is going to keep them from doing that. So you brought up like the, the vehicle and pedestrian traffic and like what are there like other really kind of interesting aspects that we try to um, design spaces ideally for that coming in from the vehicle and then getting into the hospital or the parking situation or whatever the case, I guess. So our hospitals tend to have either no one there or Mm -hmm. everyone there. Right. (laughs) And so we need to account for all of those situations at the same time. And so to your point about canopies, it's very common that the person, the patient, the visitor at the hospital is going to get dropped off in a safe space. Their their person dropping them off is going to park, right. sometimes have to be further away. Um, and so another way to provide that comfort is to allow a state, safe space for them to, to be safely off to the side. Our campuses, our healthcare campuses tend to have lots of different parking areas. And so we want to be really cognizant of who's crossing where, you know, does the staff maybe park further away to allow the patients a better experience? Possibly, but then how are we allowing safe paths for them to walk from that further away staff parking area to the front door or to their staff door? And so just being really conscious of looking at the campus as a whole, Mm -hmm. looking at all of the parking, moving in conjunction with our signage and making sure that all of those things really mesh really beautifully together. Um, again, going back to our signage, making sure that people know where the appropriate spot for them to be if if they're parked on one side of the building, but then have to you know walk internally to the opposite side of the building. Could signage have made that a better experience for them? Definitely. You mentioned this before about like, you know, getting the staff safely from where or and the, the patients as well safely from 
uh, parking to interior. And one of the notes that you made on here was about the uh, the security of a hospital, um, which obviously is key. Uh, we recently did a, an episode talking about security within schools and you know making sure that you have a safe environment. What sort of ways can we um, or what are some of the key elements to designing hospitals when it comes to security or healthcare spaces in general? Well, I would say there are probably very similar conversations in healthcare that are going on in the education space about um, about checkpoints, about who is able to come in at what door, and mm-hmm. how do we certify that they're the the person who should be there. That could be a series of locked doors. That could be a series of um, you know, for lack of a better term, a ring doorbell where mm. there's a someone at the camera end able to see that person visually. Right. Um, each facility, that's a very personalized conversation. And I would say we haven't come up on one exact right answer. That's one size right. fits all. Um, some of our rural communities feel that they need less security. Some of our more urban um, facilities are wanting more security. Some of that could be the type of glass that we're using, um, safety glass, lots of our reception areas, both as a reaction to COVID, having those temporary panels, um, but also for safety reasons, we're seeing them install um, safety glass or, or, you know, bulletproof glazing um, that protects them from the outside, or at least gives them this sense of security that they're separated. Um, emergency departments are an area that we typically see more security right. uh, due to their hours, due to them being you know, open all times of day with right. limited staffing at nighttime um, and, the, and the types of people that, that would come at all times of day just to allow them to have that sense of security. Yeah, just to, to tie in with that, that emergency side, there's, there's some amount of mental health issues that are being more of an issue on a daily basis in emergency departments. Um, there's also domestic violence things that we need to keep in mind. But that security piece, um, protection from um, for the staff, one, yes, but potentially for patients, mm-hmm. because there could be someone following them to the emergency department that we need to protect that patient from as well. So there's, it's interesting um, in that situation, there's definitely a, um, a discussion going on of societal issues in, in a, outside of just the hospital walls. We'll say what's happening in the, in the culture, in the society, in that community that need to be um, taken into account as we design those entry and exit points, um, but specifically the emergency departments because they are, they're the front line uh, for sure after hours. Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on behavioral health and that has been an incredible incredibly sensitive and important topic, especially in our emergency rooms of, like you said, that's that's the front line. That's where a lot of those patients are presenting and designing spaces that are flexible mm. um, so they can safely accommodate a patient that, that would need that type of safety, but also can be used for other patients um, for a more typical or standard room and not feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. have all patients have a comfortable experience. Right. Right. Um, one of the things that you noted as well was the possibility of like an influx of patients and handling an influx of patients. Say it's like, you know, Fourth of July is probably one of the most popular times for for a hospital to be, you know, 
just really bustling with a ton of people that may have suffered some injuries due to, you know, a variety of of different reasons during that holiday. Um, So what sort of strategies are we using or what what can be implemented to handle situations where a hospital might, like you said, there's either everyone's there or no one's there. So how do we kind of regulate that with the space? Um, So some of that is the flexibility of our rooms. Mm -hmm. So having certain areas be able to accommodate you know, a variety of, of needs. Um, Brian touched on this beautifully when we were talking about technology of allowing the staff to kind of fewer staff members to check in on lots of patients mm. and how we can facilitate that with, you know, different cameras or different monitoring, um, all of those types of things. Telehealth has become really critical for a lot of our rural hospitals. And so a lot of those rooms are set up with video equipment for monitoring in that way and um, allowing our our hospitals to offer a variety of services and specialties that they could maybe not have the bed population to attract. Okay. Um, that doesn't speak directly to your question of, of being bustling, but really offering flexibility in our spaces, I think, is the best way to approach that. Yeah, and just to think about that a little bit differently. So rural communities, um, you can have a, a mass casualty event potentially, mm-hmm. and that doesn't need to be a school shooting or right. you know, something in a true extreme negative um, situation, but we have chemical um, issues in rural communities, especially in the farming communities. So you might have a, um, a spill of some sort that uh, a few people have gotten um, pneumonia or uh, anhydrous, um, geez, I can't think of it right now, ammonia, excuse me, um, on them potentially, or different types of chemicals. Uh, I'm not a chemist. (laughs) No, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anhydrous ammonia, that's what I was trying to say. Um, So are there ways in which we can receive those multiple patients at one time in the emergency department, taking into account that they may not be able to come into the hospital right away. Mm-hmm. Are there some soft spaces that we can create through some temporary enclosures outside to decontam- decontaminate that situation, then allow them to enter into the facility in a more controlled, um, a, a more um, non-hazardous way, we'll say it that way. So are there ways in which we can set up our spaces around the hospital to provide areas that we can set up temporary facilities to allow for that mass influx of people potentially. Um, right now, um, if you think about it, there was a massive train derailment mm-hmm. in Ohio. Right. And I'm sure there was many people that had to be treated because of that scenario or potential um, out of that, that, um, that incident. So how are those people um, in the intake process at the hospital? What was that process? We have to think about emergency preparedness for right. these facilities. Um, because we don't know, or a tornado comes through, and there's a mass mass issue there, especially in the Midwest, that's where we live. So there's a lot of scenarios that we have to play through, um, especially on that that uh, high influx of patients potentially at an emergency department. I mean, at least all the the questions, the direct questions, I guess, and topics. But if there's anything else that you want to add in there, Angela, that you can think of specifically that. Um, as far as the healthcare goes, I think that was. I know how much time do we have? <laughs> yeah, I guess that, yeah, I was going to ask you your thoughts. Um, since hospitals are a staple of our rural communities, what does that? What does a hospital mean to our our smaller communities in Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota? So I think time and time again they have become 
the hub, the heart of that mm. community. Um, they are the economic driver oh, in yeah. ways that we, I don't even think we can quantify or wrap our minds around. I think we talk about them as being our major employers, um, but also a sense of vitality. I think communities that have hospitals really pride themselves on on that level of care. And we see it in the communities that we work in um, across all of those states. It's the constant that we hear about, you know, they want to care for their, their community, but then it's also their source of outreach mm. to the outside surrounding communities and how they can bridge that gap to surrounding areas. You can definitely see their impact in the communities that, uh, that they serve, that they, they truly um, it's their friends, it's their family that come to the hospital, right, that see them. So the care, um, and I know people in urban scenarios or urban situations care for their patients, that's not what I'm saying, but it's just a little different. It, mm -hmm. It's a level of care because they are related, potentially. They, they do see them at church on Sunday morning. They do, you know, there's just a different level of commitment, I think, potentially there. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Angela, for, for sitting down with thank us. You. Yeah, absolutely. For yeah, thanks, giving us some insight in the, in the world of healthcare architecture and design and, you know, getting to see a little bit more of the, the more inside discussion of that, that we don't necessarily get to see when we're just, I got hurt and I need to go to the hospital and they're, you know, pushing me through on a, on a wheelchair and giving me a surgery or something like that. Like there's so much more to the inner workings of the whole process for sure. So awesome. Thank you again. This has been another episode of Laying the Foundation. Be sure to follow us wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, whether that be Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else. You can find us there. Uh, of course, check us out on social media, and you can see the amazing projects that we've worked on or are working on, whether that be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can find us on all of those. And then, of course, be sure to check us out on cmbaarchitects.com. That's our website. And if you happen to be an architecture student or maybe a graduate or architecture design uh, professional that's seeking a employment opportunity or internship, be sure to also head over to our website's career section and take a look at that and hopefully send us an application because we'd love to get in touch with you. Once again, this has been Laying the Foundation.